0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a Monday episode of Make and Multiply, a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church. My name is Ryan Chase, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road, and today I'm joined by Matt Groon, another pastor here. And on Monday, we sit down and uh, read and talk through the passage of Scripture that was just preached on Sunday. And this is an important rhythm for us, uh, not just for Matt, for you and me, but really for the people of our church that we engage in regularly, because we don't want to too quickly move on from the word that was preached on Sunday, the the passage of Scripture there. We we want, as Paul says in Colossians, we want the word of Christ to dwell richly in us. Yes. We want to think about it long enough to be affected by it. We want to be affected by it so that our lives are actually changed by God's word. And so uh, this is just an opportunity for us to dig a little deeper into yeah. that text, um, maybe get a behind the scenes look into, you know, you you preach this text. And so talking through it, I know there's always a lot that doesn't make it into a sermon. Um, just uh, so much more here than can be said in one sermon. And so uh, it's our hope that others are practicing this as well in Discipleship huddles and, and missional communities where God's Word uh, is functioning in the middle of of our lives and and communities. So mm. uh, Psalm 13 is where we are right now in our really brief, really short uh, five week summer Psalms series. Mm. So second week of that, you preach Psalm 13. Let me read that and then we'll talk about this. David writes. Um, begin with the the title to the choir master, a Psalm of David. How long, O Lord? My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Father, we thank you for this word, for this psalm that expresses um, anguish, agony, affliction, uh, loneliness, and in so many ways is just relatable to all of us at different times in our lives. And so thank you, Lord, that your word gives us language to express to you, our emotions, as well as our faith in you and reliance on you. So we just pray that you would shape us by your word, be glorified in us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 13. Mm. Maybe, um, I'm curious, cause I have not asked you this. What led you to choose this one? What we mm. set out summer Psalms. We all just pick the Psalm we want to preach and yeah. have a lot to choose from. Yeah. Many that we've done over the past several years, what led you to Psalm 13?
1: You know, that's a good question. Um, I think I just, I don't know if it was in my Bible reading or uh, situations that have come up recently or or I'm I'm not even actually sure. I just, I think just even just when, you know, sometimes as we as pastors get together for our, either our staff meeting or or before uh, the Sunday morning, you know, I usually have my Bible with me and flip usually to the Psalms because it's a really good place to kind of generate our own prayers and, Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, I just kind of, I stumbled upon, if you know, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but (laughs) I stumbled upon Psalm 13. I just was reading it and thinking, man, this, it just rang true. Mm. I I don't know if it was because of my own life or, you know, being around others who are going through hard things or, you know, anytime you're in gospel community with anybody, you can, I mean, this psalm really does apply to anybody at all times. You're either suffering, uh, long suffering, Mm. um, feeling like others against you I mean that 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 can yep. relate to a lot of people and um, that was yeah just I was like man that that would I feel like that would preach yeah and <laughs> yeah, totally. uh, I don't know just kind of had to have a, have a sense and I don't know if it was the spirit or what but there, there's a sense of like this I'm sure there's people who an impression of maybe people need to hear this I need to hear this is there right. uh, especially that la- those last couple verses that just ensure such a confidence Mm -hmm. which is so interesting compared to the rest of the psalm how that it just really just comes out of nowhere of the deepest of lows and then all of a sudden this triumph turn yeah yeah
0: Yeah. well I, i point this out often to people that out of 150 psalms a third of them are laments yeah you got 50 laments so it's a major theme um you know one out of every three as you read through the Psalms. And so um, it, it's fitting when we preach through the Psalms, if we're going to take a few weeks and do that, at least one of the sermons has to be yeah. a lament. And it's such a, a major category of life yes. that, like you were saying, sooner or later, everybody can relate to this. Either you're in something, or you recently were, or you will be soon. Yeah. Um, th- where the laments just give us language for that.
1: Yeah, these these Psalms really are helping either you post suffering in suffering or preparing you to suffer mm-hmm. um, like when, when i hit suffering if i don't have any 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 language to appeal to any language in my bag to pull from mm-hmm. when suffering hits um, i'm going to fill that with my whatever just comes naturally yeah. which is dark and sinful and very not god honoring mm-hmm. so it's good to fill our minds and our hearts and our souls with with language that come that is inspired spirit inspired for us in the midst of our suffering you know uh, suffering that we've had in the past or uh even preparing you now for suffering you don't know that's coming
0: yeah no that's a great uh motivation to those who might feel like well you know life has been pretty easy and Mm. the worst thing that happened to me is uh, you know broke a pinky toe once and you know like you just haven't had a lot of hard things in life it it could be easy to tune it out and just kind of be like uh, life is really good for me. Yeah. Whereas like what you're saying, preparing for suffering, not to take on kind of a doom and gloom mentality, but we, we don't want to be naive. We live right. in a fallen world. Um, everybody dies, which means family, you know, our own family members are going to die at some point. We're going to die. Um, this is just a reality of life in a fallen world. And so it's wise to give attention to things that prepare our souls. And, and like you said, that's how I think about, the Psalms, they just give us vocabulary. They give us language to know how to express our own feelings and and thoughts in so many different situations in life because they're examples. Here are people of faith, people who lived by faith. They trusted in God. uh, They believed his promises and they experienced the highs and the lows of life and they're expressing that emotion in poetry and song. and, And so it just, it gives us a template a form to follow which is so valuable to us so even those first questions and, and it is clear when you just look at a text like this this is just basic bible reading studying the bible just observe the text and you can see that if you're just paying attention to the themes throughout here it's fairly evenly split into three parts verses one and two three and four five and six each of those sections has a, a different theme and, and like you pointed out that gave, gives a, a great structure yeah. to your your sermon easy enough yeah and those questions how long just that repetition in the beginning how long how long how long um drives home again a, a familiar point I think of chronic suffering mm. um whenever you're in the midst of suffering it it always feels really really long yeah <laughs> um one of the most agonizing and discouraging thoughts in the midst of suffering because your situation is what it is. Your circumstances can be overwhelming, but then it's the thought and it's always going to be like this. It's never going to change. It's been like this for so long. It's, it's that thought where hopelessness sets in. And
1: that's a whole new feeling. You've got the acute sting of suffering. And then this question of, it's always going to be this way. just brings this, it just, a deadening, Mm you know, in a, in a A really scary way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it. It really does feel as though, you know, I mean, David's question, will you forget me forever? Mm. Um, and, and it's, you know, mentioned this kind of in the sermon, but also that, that forgetting imply what he's really asking in the rhetorical question. And then he asks later of consider and answer me. Um, what he's really asking is for God to remember him. And mm-hmm. um, that would be the opposite. Will you forgive me forever? The opposite would be like, please remember me. Right. Um, and what we see in the scripture, even especially like in Exodus chapter two, right after the Israelites are in slavery, they've been in bondage to, in the harsh bondage of Pharaoh for these now four hundred years, and um, they feel forgotten by God. Right. Uh, and then that that text in, in Exodus where it says, and God saw, and He remembered, mm-hmm. and He came down. To act and that really is what in in the biblical language when God remembers stuff it's not because he forgot it's not like it slipped his mind it's because he's about to act mm-hmm. so really what what David's asking in saying will you forget me forever is he's dem, he's really making a petition please act yes please step in yep. um, and he, he's just he's just using poetic language which is so helpful because that's the language we would use mm-hmm. this is this is the language. We would not write a Pauline treatise mm-hmm. um, about our suffering. We would write a song, or a, a, we would, whether or not we are going to put it to music or not, but that's the language that's that comes out. raw emotion. So that's, that's really what he's asking. He's, mm-hmm. he's asking to be remembered. He's asking for real, tangible help. Yeah, for God um, to act yeah.
0: in faithfulness to his covenant. It, I, one of the things that's helped me so much in reading the Psalms is realizing oftentimes the psalmist is expressing faith in the form of a question and a question is just so much uh, it's so true to those situations where we are suffering where Mm -hmm. an affirmation a declaration a statement of faith is strong and usually comes in a place of clarity and stability when you're suffering everything just seems uncertain hmm. and you're just grasping and trying to find something solid to set your feet on yeah. and I think it's in the midst of those times when our faith often it just comes out in a question yeah um, I, think,
1: I think I've said this before that suffer, and I don't know if I read this somewhere if it or what I know I've said it in a sermon before but it's suffering inserts question marks into our right. life like most of our life is Periods and exclamation points, and just you just keep going, and statement after statement. Suffering brings yep. the questions, and not just questions of like how long, but questions of like why, mm-hmm. why me, right? Why not somebody else? Why this? Why does this keep happening? All of a sudden, the whys yes. and the and the why why us? How long? Mm-hmm. Um, Spurgeon called famously called this psalm the the howling psalm, mm. meaning not just not just the the, the noise of a howl. H o w l, but the how, the how howling song. How, how much more can I take? Yeah, um, and I just think that's that's such a relatable, it is position to be in. Um, yep, and, and you've written on this at length, Ryan, of of this kind of Godward grief. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's vital that we highlight that the psalmist is is directing these pleas. That's right to God. Um, so he is he is Godward in his disposition, but they're very raw, and I said, and I, I think I meant this. It they just feel almost irreverent. Mm. But God, that that's not the end of it. It's not mm-hmm. just that it's irreverent. It, it has this just tangible realness, for lack of a better word. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah I think that's a thread I would want to pull on a little bit here, mm. um, because I think that's important. Where I I see people often wrestle and struggle, or some people might not even be aware, but when you're suffering and your feelings are so real and strong, uh, you, you know, you hear people say things like they give, they give the counsel. It's okay to be mad at God. Mm. Um, he can take it. He's big enough to take it. So just, mm. you know, get it out, express your, your anger, your resentment, your bitterness toward God. It's okay. Um, and, So we could talk about that a little bit. Hmm. Like you're saying, David is expressing honestly emotion and what he's feeling and experiencing. Um, It's not mainly just a doctrinal statement of faith, statement of faith, statement of faith. Here's, you know, here's my confession of what I believe. He's expressing these feelings, um, but he's expressing them to God. And I think helping that that's an area we just need help thinking through. What does that look like when my emotions are so raw and real and strong, but not
1: necessarily accurate to the truth about God? What do I do there? Well, I think for starters, just recognizing that they are raw emotions Mm -hmm. in the sense of they're not polished. Um, they're probably just off, you know, just reactionary, Mm -hmm. Um, and just recognizing my own sinfulness of like that, that's probably not the best way (laughs) to do it. Um, and recognizing that emotions are, are often fleeting. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, like I just said that they're often reactionary to a situation. Um, but then there's a sense of, uh, yeah, we are addressing it. It matters who we address the complaint to. Um, because David, I think I said this too. David is not just yelling these things out into nowhere right. and the, just yeah, the ceiling, or- demanding somebody answer. Right. He is calling. He's calling for an audience with the one who's who he knows to be responsible for mm-hmm. all things. And that right there is a theological that can only come out of a theological presupposition. Yeah. Um, only if you believe that God is big enough to do something about your problem would you
0: even take your problem to god in faith
1: and it's not just that he's big enough to quote unquote take it um because god is holy it's not he's not just going to absorb our sin as as if it's no big deal you guys just let it all out you know get it all out that that's not what david's doing here no in fact all of his if you look his petitions are grounded in the character of god or the promises of god Mm. he's asking god to remember him because he god has promised to remember him in the past, in the, in the covenantal structure that's been set up. He's, he's calling for God to act, to overthrow his enemies because those enemies are winning. Um, and there's a demand for the justice of God to be, um, executed around him. Mm. Um, Mm. he's also that, that verse two, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? I think that was part of like David recognized he can't remedy the situation. Mm. He's tried day after day. He, when he looks inward, when he looks at his own mm. capabilities, when he looks at his own emotional fortitude, he's finding nothing. Yeah, he's at the end of himself. He's at the end of himself. And so he really does say to God, I, I cannot do this alone. Yeah.
0: Which is very different than I can't trust you, God. Right. Therefore, it's time for me to take things right. into my own hands. Right which is where some people go in their suffering, right. in their embittered attitude toward God. Yeah, that's very different. Or if
1: he would have said, I take counsel and I like my counsel, right. and so off I go, deal with it. Gonna you failed, yep. and I'm going to try mine. Yep. No, that's good. Um,
0: you, one of the contrasts that comes into my mind is Job and mm-hmm. his wife, who counsels Job in his suffering. Why don't you just curse God and die? Yeah. And Job responds, you're speaking like, one of the foolish women yeah. right now. Um, and he just refuses to do that because it is possible in our grief and sorrow to sin. It's, so it's, it's not safe to counsel people to just say, "Let it just all let it out yeah. and let God have it and tell him how you feel. You know, he, he can take it that it's possible to sin against God in our grief where we are, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you curse God, <laughs> you are sinning. Yes. David is not here cursing God. No. He is not impugning God's character no. when you read these questions he is expressing faith a question like how long will you hide your face from me is an expression of a desire for god's favor yeah. and the light of god's face to shine upon him that that's his desire which is he, a common he's not shaking his fist at god that's
1: a that's a very davidic thing mm-hmm. throughout the psalms through most of his psalms he makes mention to god um it's uh, one author says uh David has a constant longing to behold God's mm. face. He does it in Psalm 11 and 17 and 27 and, yeah. and eight and 34 and 51. Famously, where he, where after mm-hmm. his sin with Bathsheba, he's hide not your face from me. Yeah. Cast me not out of your presence. Yep. There's this he because that comes from, again, this presupposition. We say that word. What we mean is just this, like this foundational commitment, mm-hmm. um, this is important to highlight. We need those. I mean, better statement. We all have them. It's better to examine and look at the foundation before, you know, the earthquake hits. Um, Because what that does is that gives us the landing pad for when things come, we can launch off of these things and be set on, set our feet on bedrock. Again, this is all David language, set our feet on solid ground, Mm -hmm. Um, keep steady our steps as we walk in the midst of this life. And so, as, it, as as sin comes to him, or as, as sin is happening around him and within him, he, is, um, he presupposes God's covenant, mm. um, which makes sense as the king. He presupposes that God has committed himself to say, "I am your God, and you are my people, and mm-hmm. I will keep you and I will, uh, and I will be with you and I dwell in the midst of you." So that's the presupposition. And now, things circumstances are arising that aren't necessarily making him doubt that but he just feels abandoned. Yeah. It's like that Calvin quote I read yesterday where it says, not that he's necessarily abandoned the theological truths in his heart. No, he just, when, when it just keeps happening, a natural question is, and the natural emotion is feeling like God has forgotten. Mm
0: him." Yeah. So it raises those questions. It's just the reality of living in a fallen world. Yeah. Where, we have promises of what God will do. But the nature of faith is that uh, faith is future oriented. Uh, Like Paul says in Romans, who hopes for what he already has. Hmm. If you already have it, you don't call it hope. Hope is you're hoping in something you don't yet have. And so living in that gap between, all right, God has promised this in the future, but I don't yet see that. So here I am living in this Hmm. uncomfortable reality believing that God is going to do that in the future well that gap between what God has promised and what I'm actually seeing and experiencing right now today it's in that gap that those questions rise right. like okay God are you are you going to do this when are you going to do it because it, it feels like you're taking longer to fulfill this promise than yeah. than I you know have endurance for or whatever so it's just the reality of life in a fallen world fighting for faith i think mm, that's that's it the thing about laments is it's it models for us, here is somebody trusting God and fighting to keep trusting God mm. through that gap.
1: Yeah, and that's, that really is it. I mean, all of our faith, the nature of faith is being future-oriented and yet resting on the finished work of something else. Right. So like for David, he's resting on the covenantal promises of God made to him uh, mm. through, to, through Abraham, through Moses, and to him directly, right? That right. I will establish a kingdom. Can you imagine the the prom- the covenantal promises made to David in Second Samuel 7, where he says, I will raise up from your own line, someone who will build a house for my name and his kingdom will be established forever. And then that's the promise made to God or from God to him. And then over here, his enemies are winning. They're mm-hmm. gloating over him. He's the whole, it feels like the walls are pressing in. Yep. It's, which was a, pretty common
0: experience for david in his lifetime if you read yeah i mean his (laughs) own family is sabotaging him
1: it's it's just chaos and so he's asking like sarah being told she's going to have a child at her age where she just laughs how could this be possible and then when they finally do have the child they're called to sacrifice him on on the mountain Mm. there's just there's a chaos there's a disequilibrating experience happening to these people but yet their future faith the Mm -hmm. the nature of their faith is grounded in promises made to them Mm -hmm. right that's true for all of the old testament saints for us on this side of the cross our promises all the promises of God not just some of them not just the old covenant all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Mm -hmm. Christ Christ. so in Christ we have a secure uh all the promises are secured in him. Mm. And that happened a long time ago. And yet, right now, I'm experiencing hardship and trial. And he has made promises not just for me right now, but for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really is, look, in order to look forward, which can just be terrifying, right? It really is looking forward, especially when you're in the midst of hard circumstances and chaotic circumstances. When you look forward, it just feels like, well, it's like the diver who's diving down. It just mm. looks darker and darker and darker Um, and yet God has made promises to keep us to sustain us to give us everything we need in that the only way we can go forward is by looking back what has he already done Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what what David does he is the root of his considering and answering and really his calling to go forward is based on but I have trusted in Mm -hmm. this steadfast love of the Lord and that steadfast love comes exactly from the covenant made of I'm the Lord your God who's you know the Lord the Lord Mm. slow to anger abounding in steadfast love well David's saying I've trusted in that and and I'm trusting in it and I'm going to just keep trusting in it and you're going to continue to be faithful to it yeah
0: that's so good and it helps, again, for us, it just sets our expectations about what living by faith looks like. Mm. Because it's easy to have a misperception that the life of faith, if I trust God, then everything will go smoothly and I should just be happy mm. and life should be golden. Not hard, yeah. It should not be hard. and And so then when you encounter hardship, it's easy to think like, well, am I doing this wrong mm. or... Is, is something wrong with my faith or something wrong with God's promises? Where, where where does the problem lie rather than the testimony of Scripture and the example of other people like David living by faith confirming for us? No, this is part of living by faith in a fallen world. Yes. L- living with the already of Christ's finished work and God's promises guaranteed in Christ and, and the not yet of the future fulfillment of that. I think the nature of that question, how long, just reminds me whenever we're suffering think about physical pain the main priority on your mind when you feel pain is make it stop make it stop just you just want it to stop and how long is essentially that kind of question of just how long is it going to be until this stops and so it it helps give us um one just for our own lives recognition that this is part of living by faith so don't Mm. be surprised if when you the fiery trials come upon yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Like, so forth. like Peter says. Uh, and at the same time, it, I think it helps us give space to other people when they're going through hard things as well. Mm, so that that's good. you don't just have an easy like, hey, just slap a Bible verse on it right. and smile and pretend like everything's fine. Kind of a, a fake cheerfulness that right. everybody should just be smiling and and happy and and faking that happiness that, right. you know, hard things are actually hard sorrowful things are sorrowful. They, they produce a lot of pain. Yes. And in the midst of that, David is modeling for us and the end of this, like you just pointed out, verses five and six, but I have trusted that, that but here, here's my circumstance. Here's what I'm going through. Here's how my enemies gloating over me, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. Mm. My heart shall rejoice in your mm. salvation. I will sing to the Lord. And that kind of rejoicing in God's salvation is a totally different kind of joy than just, faking a smile totally. when life is hard this is the the joy of i'm rejoicing in your salvation because yeah. you're the god who delivers me out of these trials and yeah. these hardships and from my sin and the effects of other sin against me and it's a deeper kind of
1: joy it's, it's helpful and this is helpful too because it what i appreciate about these psalms and particularly this psalm is that like when people are suffering and we don't know what to say to them mm. right and, and as midwestern and reform people like we we want to just you know put on a brave face and you know recognize our 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 trusting in in the Mm -hmm. promises of god you know just god is sovereign so just you know buck up that's not what david needs right now Mm -hmm. it's not what david's asking for he he, what he needs is to be reminded of the promises of god Mm -hmm. and and he does Mm -hmm. that as he i mean he gets there but he, he he does that through this process of of thinking on the air. So it's just like, it's helpful for us as, as Christians and as people, not just in our own suffering, but yeah. caring for, others. caring for others of, you know, when suffering really hits and you don't know what to do for mm-hmm. people. It, it just, you know, I could just, as I was thinking through this Psalm, I just had in, you know, as I'm writing, just in front of me, people mm-hmm. that I know need this, including me and, mm-hmm. and, and others of like, this is, this is good for my soul. It's good for others to hear. And hopefully faith building.
0: That's right. Yeah. It bridges the gap. Like you Mm. can only ever start where you are. Yeah. You can't be anywhere other than where you are. And when you are in the midst of hard things and raw emotions, you have to start there to get to where David ends rejoicing in God's salvation, singing. Yeah. And, And the only way to get there is to be honest about where you're at and what you're actually feeling in that moment. And like biblical lament, you, you you direct your heart to God, you express your pain toward Him, mm. and you affirm your faith in Him and yes. in His Word, so that you're you're moving in that direction. And it's a process. I mean, it's just yeah. there's no way around it. it. It that's the laments are a reminder of that that it is a process. Yeah. It it starts in verse one before it ends in verse six, and the only way to verse six is to start in verse one. Right. And and same thing in our grief, you just you start where you are, and you walk th- through that by faith until God um, you know, produces that, that joy and that security and peace and hope yeah. and confirms his promises.
1: And it's, yeah, imagine if we didn't have the Psalms. Oh, man. And one last thing, I just, what's, what's, what's noticeable too about this this Psalm is David isn't just asking for faith in the midst of his suffering. Like that, I think that's how we often think like, Mm. man, like we were just talking Mm. I just want to be able to be faithful in my suffering. No, there's a very real, he wants the situation to change. (laughs) There is, it's not just, you know, grin and bear my circumstances, no matter what. No, he very much wants his circumstances to change. Mm. He's asking God to act amongst him and on behalf of him, uh, Mm. in his circumstances. So it's not just like a, well, whatever comes your way, you know, don't ever No, He wants it to change. Yeah. Um, just like the uh, the uh, the believers in Acts four, after suffering and after being beaten and whipped, and then they're released, they pray to the sovereign Lord about the nations raging and the people's plotting in vain, and then they say, "Now act and 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 stop them. Do something. Yeah, do Look, look on their threats. That's right. So it's it's important to it's okay to ask God to change things. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not just well, this is what I have, and God's sovereign, He gave it to me, and now I just need to you know. Yeah in the midst of that, I just think David sets forth a good model of, you know, he, he's asking for a different set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, even, but that's not the basis of his faith. Right. The, the circumstances are not the basis of his faith. Mm. Um, the steadfast love of the Lord is, and the fact that God has dealt bountifully with him. Those are what's the, yeah. the foundation.
0: That's wonderful. Well, thank you for, mm. I think one caring so well for those who are in the midst of suffering right now, through this lament, and then two, just preparing us to suffer well mm. uh, if and when that comes. Uh, just, I think you handled this text so well, and it's, it's good for us to give attention to a lament like this one in Psalm 13. Yeah. So thank joy. you. Mm-hmm.